Welcome to Geeksploration, the podcast creator's corner. We are joined today by uh, Sam, uh, a, an author and creator of varied and uh, multiple projects. But I think for the most part today, we're going to be talking about the, the one of great importance and current that's currently live on Kickstarter, Forbidden. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks Thanks for coming on. Of course. Um, I guess let's, uh, we can start with, uh, just, I guess, introduce yourself to the audience. Well, my name is Sam. I am the founder and creator of Catch the Craze Podcast and also Crazy Comics, um, which is my own um, publishing. Uh, my, I self-published myself and uh, started Crazy Comics back in 03, entered the comic scene in 05 with my buddy George Medina. Uh, we were producing comics from 05 to about 09, and then I left for about 10 years. And um, then I came back in 2019 into the comics game again. They all come back. <laughs> You're a seasoned veteran. <laughs> yeah, been around the block. Got some grace. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds like you, you guys uh, you guys took it seriously, too. You, you got the company going and everything. Yeah, well, because um, it's when I was, at, uh, I was about 18, I was in the music business. And we had a production company called Crazy Skills Productions. I remember sitting down with my uh, manager, who was also one of my friends, his name is Michael Escara, and my producer. And we were talking about branching out and creating this multimedia empire. And I wanted the Crazy Media Group, which I currently own, Crazy Media Group LLC. And then I wanted Divisions Crazy Comics. Everything had to be around crazy or crazy. You know, yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, Crazy Comics was my first um, exploration into comics. At that time, I worked with a different group of guys, and we worked on a book called Tales of an Assassin and The Book of Wrath. And uh, those were our first books. And then, you know, all the guys went their separate ways. And then um, I was at the School of Visual Arts taking um, summer extra credit courses. And uh, that's when I met George Medina at a life drawing class. It was a life drawing class where all the dang models were men. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> I, I remember turning my chair. I was like, I can't keep drawing these guys again. And uh, so, the, and, uh, and George and I like turned at the same time, and we just started talking about comics. And he had this little booklet of a little uh, comic booklet that he did. That he just folded some paper and he created a book with his duck. And I was like, well, look, I'm trying. I'm wanting to create my own imprint and quote um, crazy comics, blah blah. And uh, so. We started talking and um, we found the printer, which is a friend of ours who gives a big discount on, on printing um, nice. comics. We did there you go. high gloss, full color. The only catch was he gave it to us um, straight out of the printer. We had to fold them and staple them ourselves. <laughs> so, so we were paying. Oh, my God. We, we, I mean, people thought we, were, we, we had like money up the wazoo. We, if they knew what we paid for that. And uh, but we we'd be down there and we get the heaviest boxes and put them on the stacks to flatten. Yeah, yeah. And we and uh, then we you know we didn't have much money, so I remember a friend of mine told me he knew the promoter for the Big Apple Comic Con, and so we went to they were at the New Yorker Hotel, and so I went. And his name is Michael Carbonero. They introduced me, and, and he's like, "Who are you?" And I said, "Oh, well, my money is Sam, and I'm, and I'm trying to get a table." He goes, "Well, it costs this much. Go see that guy." I said, "No, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm trying to get a free table, right?" And I was like, "You don't understand." And uh, he's not listening to me. He goes, "Go pay over there." I was like, "So I pulled out my portfolio and I did a, an advertising piece for the Big Apple Comic Con. I wanted him to see. And when he saw it, he's like, "You did that?" I said, "Yes, you did that. That's my show." I said, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> he goes, "Can you do that again for the next show?" I said, "Yes." He goes, "If you could do that." For my next show, I'll give you a table. Nice. I was like, 
perfect. And that's how and that's how we answered uh, the so we we went in there and I nickel and dimed everything and negotiated everything. And um they thought we were rock stars. And uh, I remember it was our first appearance at the Big Apple Comic Con. We had lines because it was it was during the image era, and then we here comes these knucklehead guys, no one ever heard about full cloth gloss banners. You know, we had uniforms. You know, we had baseball uniforms. Oh, shit. <laughs> we had, it, was, it was straight out. I mean, there were no rules. No one, you know, we had no mentors. I just said, you know, let's create our own rules. And I remember um, we caught the attention of Brian Polito, a lot of different other uh, creators. And um, and we thought we we're going to be rock stars. I was like, yes. Yeah, you guys were walking the walk. Holy shit. Like, I wish I had even a sliver <laughs> of, of your uh, your guts. Like, wow. You know what? I say ignorance is bliss. You know, <laughs> you know, I was going in this. I didn't know the rules. And uh, we just went in and said, let's just try to negotiate. And somehow we made it happen. And it was, and it was fun. Uh, it was a great time. What, what made you Damn. step away from it in 2009? Because it sounds like you you had the hustle going. We had the hustle. A lot of things were happening. So um, I created a book called There's Nailing in My Toilet. He, that's the poster yeah. behind me. Mm-hmm. His name is Duty. He's from Uranus, and um, <laughs> so um, and it caught the attention of a lot of big multimedia companies. We signed with Circle of Confusion Management. They're the same ones who um, uh, represented Robert Kirkman and the Bachowski brothers. Yet we were close to a deal. You know, Dizzy was interested. Warner Brothers was interested, and then everything fell through. Then, and at that time, I did a con at Pittsburgh Comic Con, and it happened to be one of the many times that George Perez decided to retire. And so they had his line right covering my table. So we we couldn't get anything done. We couldn't because they were just blocking us the whole time. And so that, and then there was a lot of personal things in my personal life that were um, taking a toll at that time. We were doing 18 conventions. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'll take a toll. Yes. And, you know, so I was, we were working full time and, you know, paying out of pocket for this stuff. We had the family talk and it's like, look, it's really hurting our pockets. You know, what are you going to do? And when the deal didn't go through, that's when I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a, this is a reason for me to just walk away. And so I, I, I didn't even make an announcement. And at that time, I really had a big following and I didn't even make an announcement. I just, I even shut down the podcast because we were, we were one of the first podcasters back then. And it was us, Comic Geek Speak and iFanboy. And we, and again, the podcast, um, we had everybody who was, uh, who who went independent comics in on our show, and uh, but we didn't understand the value of it. We created it because we wanted to promote the small guy, and we were the yeah. small guys. So we're like, you know what, you know, why is it so difficult for the little guy to get press? So that's why we created. I went to a pod camp, and uh, and that's and most of the people at that time that were doing podcast podcasts were cooking shows, and so um, it was like this is going to be the next trend and blah blah. blah. So, well, you know what, I want to get in on a trend at the in, in the early stage. I went to. Um, uh, the music stem ash. <laughs> and then when got, I said, I need a mixer, I need mics. <laughs> and I got home. I said, George, we're doing a podcast. He's like, what? <laughs> it's like, he goes, you know how to do it. I said, I, I looked it up. <laughs> and so we did it. And at that time it was all audio. And then uh, we would do video recordings at uh, the conventions live. And then we edit it and upload it. To what YouTube. year was this? Oh man. 2005, 2006. Damn, that is early. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That is ground floor. Ground floor, wow. yes. And I, we didn't understand it because when we were looking at it's like, oh man, 10,000 downloads. Oh man, we didn't understand what that was. I still don't understand what that <laughs> is from, from our angle. I was like, wow, it's popular. But then I walked away and I, I, I talked to my wife about this all the time. I was like, if, if I would have never walked away from the podcasting where we would be right now, 
because we were really at, on the cusp. Yeah, you'd be like 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 Scott Ackerman, you know, early on with Comedy Bang Bang on the radio, you know, making the jump to a podcast early on. Like you could have built your empire. I know. I, I kick myself all the time. Yeah. Why? Why am I bringing that up? Like, <laughs> hey, guess what you could have done. <laughs> and uh, after everything settled years later, I was really tired of like the corporate world, and um, I looked at my wife. I said, like, you know, my office is. I always had my office, and you know, I have all my action figures and my collectibles, and I said, like, all it is is a museum for me. I said, you know, I'm going to die with the what if question. She's like, well, look, everything's stable. We're good. You know, if you want to do it, go for it. Um, she goes, and you're a lot smarter than you were back then. Cause back then I was just like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and I was just charging everything. <laughs> and yeah, that was the biggest mistake I ever made. It was testosterone and credit cards. God, it was crazy. I, it was not, not only that I would spend eight hours a week. I would dedicate to just packing, packaging, um, press kits. So I put sample of all our books and we, we had a press kit and I put everything and I, sh- I mailed it out to whether it's the editor of New York Times, the Daily News, whatever, radio stations. And that's how we got on Fox. That's how we got on NBC. That's how we got on national TV and newspapers. Because I just said, if I send out 100 and two of them say yes, we're golden. That's how I looked at it. And um, uh, so, but it, it was costly, yeah. you know, because the packages were like three, two pounds and I'm shipping them um, every Saturday. I'm at the post office mailing them out. So when I came, when I decided to come back, I just made a, I went on my Facebook page and I said, I'm, I'm coming back into comics. Mark Torres from, it came from the radio. He says, can you make the announcement on my show? I said, sure. So he invited me. I, I drove to Long Island. This, this is when I lived on the East Coast. Now I live in Texas. Um, I drove to Long Island, went on his show, did the announcement and I did the kids comic con and getting my feet wet. And that was in 2019 was, uh, 2018, I did a couple of conventions, and then 2019, everything went. Through. Yeah, <laughs> perfect timing there. <laughs> yeah. That was going to be the big year, and everything went kaputs. <laughs> well, on the bright side, the internet's like it's a lot more crowded space now. But like, you can email out thousands of press kits on a Saturday, and it won't cost yes. you anything. Yes, yes. The problem is, will they yeah. read it? Because I mean, I heard you saying how many people you guys reached out to to promote your campaigns. I mean, when I think about um, how many people I've reached out to to pr- do the same thing, and about thirty percent responded. And that's probably on the high side of what you can ex- expect. You know, yeah. when you're cold emailing people, you you know, if you get fifteen, twenty percent of them to to even respond to you at all, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's really not much different than getting a phone call from from a number you don't recognize and just going nope. And, and putting your phone back down or, you know, clicking a button just to silence it or something, you know, but yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's hard to open things from people you don't know. And especially if you're someone in the industry with any sort of actual influence, I'm sure we weren't the only person emailing them our stuff and saying, Hey, can you read my comic right. book? <laughs> yes. yes. So yes. it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's tough. At least it's a professional package. It's a step up from, you know, the being on Instagram and like, you know, hitting up your favorite artist and being like, hey, your art's really good. Take a look at my stuff. Like, ooh, <laughs> woof. Woof. <Yeah. laughs> so, I mean, my success came from contact, face-to-face contact, you know, meeting the people, yeah. um, the pitch, you know. So coming back into it and now everything's so impersonal and you have to do it from behind the screen. And once COVID hit, the whole world went online. Um, that made it even much more difficult. Because you have now 
people who never even thought about doing a, a Kickstarter campaign or even creating a comic book are now saying, I'm locked up at home. I've always wanted to do a comic book. Hey, let's get this done. And everyone, you know, so that makes it. So now, you know, the, the market's saturated and you have to, you know, the loudest voice rises to the top. And it's, you know, how do you get to that point? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it is, uh, conversely, there is, it seems like there's a lot more people, sh- you know, looking to Kickstarter for entertainment now too, though. Like it, the platform, I think definitely hit a bit of a boon during the quarantine times because people were looking for something new to occupy their time. But uh, uh, yeah, there's also yeah. a lot more books, which I think, you know, I don't necessarily see a, a bunch of the other books so much as competition as if more people realize how many good stories there are on Kickstarter and, and Indiegogo and, and to, you know, come check that out instead of picking up your seventh Batman comic for this month. Uh, that's <laughs> right. a good thing. Right. <laughs> yes. And I mean, that's the, that's the challenge. How do you get today's generation to be interested in the comics? You know, um, because everyone's doing everything online where everyone's into gaming or, you know, um, TikTok and selfies, you know, how do you get them to, you know, move, gravitate over? I mean, and the reason why I got into comics is when I walked into a candy store and I saw the spinner rack and I was like, Oh, and I was a big GI Joe collector of the, you know, three quarter yeah. inch figures. And they had a G.I. Joe comic on the shelf and they had um, a, a Sergeant Rock and a G.I. Joe. And I picked both of them up. I was like, and I took them home and I was hooked. Um, and that's how I got into it. But it was, I know, it was that experience seeing it, picking it up. Um, how many of today's youth are going to the comic shop and um, and how many of them do really do know about yeah, they'll Kickstarter? Yeah, they walk right by the spinner rack staring at their phone the whole time. I mean... You, You've got so much, yeah. like the it, so much entertainment and distraction right there on your phone. Like you don't necessarily need to look elsewhere. Like, like I have to make right. my kids go outside. Part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, back when we were kids, like we we uh, back in the old days, you know, like we lived to go outside and like take a you know take a trip to the grocery store on our bicycle and leave it outside and walk in and just see the comic book rack there and you know the 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 glorious little little sign up in the upper left corner that says still only seventy five cents. You're like, oh yeah, it's great. You know, grab a couple books, roll them up, put it in your back pocket. Like it was it was a great time. It was Uh-oh. like that was how you got your entertainment. So Sam, what uh, you know, you saw that Sergeant rock comic and and we're stoked but what what made you want to make comic books so my first real introduction to comics was archie comics and my mom was a big reader of archie nice. um and she had a little um digest yeah. oh yeah. yeah how wholesome i remember <laughs> i remember getting a archie double digest when yeah. i was a little kid I'm like, whoa double it's extra thick <laughs> yes and then um it wasn't until i saw it too close for comfort and the father was a cartoonist and he had a comic book called Cosmic Cow. And I was like, wait, you can actually make a living? Because before that, I just knew that it was there. Yeah. I didn't associate the person, the creator with the art. And then when I saw it, he, that's what he did for a living. And he had a family and he was paying the bills. And I was like, wait, that's what you, you can do this? So I said, I want to do that. And then it was my stepdad who said, oh, you'll never amount to a real artist because all you do is copy. Because I was a copy artist. I would I would put the VCR in and I'd pause and I'd draw what I would see. He goes, oh, you're a copier. You're not a real artist. And um, so I ran into the yard, pouted, and I said, I'm going to show him that rotten snake. And I just started drawing. I started creating from my head. And that was when I, <laughs> and then my first one was uh, Gorf. His name was Gorf. And then it became Cosmic Gorf, um, hence the influence from Cosmic Cow. Uh, and I was a big Fraggle Rock Jim Henson yeah, fan. Yeah. And, 
And that was my first attempt at, and I said, this is what I want to do for a living. Now, how old were you? Sorry, I, I don't I don't mean to try to to try to date you according to the pop culture references or anything. I'm just curious. About 12. All right. Yeah, 12. Clarity of youth. Yes, yes. And because and my brother was also a big influence because he I remember he drew three monkeys in a barrel, in a wine barrel. And I was like, you can draw? He was the one who actually got me into drawing, but I didn't know you can make a living from drawing. And then when I started when I, you know, when I picked up the comic and when I seen the creator and I was like, oh, it all, that's how it works. And that's when I said, I got to do this. Nice. So like, I know with Forbidden, you, you know, you're the creator writer. Some mm-hmm. of your other books, have you drawn them as well then? Or So Forbidden, the reason why um, I didn't draw that one is because I knew my limitations. So Forbidden, I envisioned it when I, I made, I did attempt to draw it and I just didn't like what I was producing. I, I was like, I was a, a, a big critique, a critic of my own work. And I was like, this is horrible, Sam. And this is just, yeah, I just can't. So what I did was, you know, I wrote the entire world. I wrote all the, the character bios and the history. And then I wrote the first two scripts and I put it in a binder and I put it away. And I said, one day I'll run into the right artist that's going to draw this. But until then, I'm going to, I was drawing my Cosmic Wars, um, my comic book. That was what I released at the Big Apple Comic Con in 2005. And um, then I was at a Star Wars convention. Stupid. Uh, so we were at a Star Wars convention. It was like Cosmic Wars, Star Wars. Yes, it's going to be a hot commodity <laughs> over there. Yes, we're going to sell a lot of them. And we go there. No one's interested. They're looking for Star Wars. And I was like, oh, man, big mistake. So we're like a bunch of dateless dudes at a prom ask, waiting for someone to ask us to dance. And everyone's just passing us at the table. And um, two things that happened that, that was positive from that event. One, we ended up in a comic book documentary called Inkswell. Um, they interviewed us and they released it to DVD. And then the other was we met Anibal Royal. He just he was on leave from the military. He had his portfolio and he was trying to show his portfolio around. And he showed it to us. I was like, that's the guy. Nice. That's the guy. And um, we met up uh, at a Starbucks. That was our office. Starbucks. Right across the street from Port Authority in New York City on the second floor. We go, we get our lattes, we go up to the top and we we just spread out. We have our laptops. And so we met with Anibal and then I opened up the binder and I said, can you do this? And he was like, whoa. And I, and I gave him all the paper. So I had the 11 by 17 storyboards. I said, here, here's, a, here's the first pack. He sent me some thumbnails. I loved his renditions and he just ran with it. And uh, at that time, we only released the first two issues. It was zero and one. So no one's ever seen this issue that's on Kickstarter right now. Big following, uh, you know, we have videos of us just with lines of people that are wanted commission covers from us. We had a great time. Then uh, when I left, I left with, you know, I, we, I stopped everything. So we only stopped that issue one. So I decided to come back. I reached out to him and I said, hey, do you want to finish the series? Uh, because the total series is 168 pages. He was going to school and he was working and he was doing a project for somebody else. He had a, a job um, illustration for somebody else. So he couldn't do it at the time. So I went on DeviantArt and I said, Hey, this is my budget. This is what I'm looking for. And I had about 48 portfolios come my way. And I, I landed on, on this guy named um, Primi Santra. And he's, I think he's from Indonesia. I think it is. In one year, he did 120 pages. Oh, wow. Beautifully done. And then uh, I just had everything colored. The whole entire series is completed. It's lettered, colored, everything. Um, and uh, next fall, I'll be releasing the, the full 200 page graphic novel because it's 168 pages of story and then, you know, character um, bios and the world and all that oh, stuff. Oh, man. So 
Yeah, you're really rolling on it. Yeah, it's been sitting heavy uh, on my shoulders because um, I knew I wanted to finish it. When I came back, I said, everyone knew me for this nail in my toilet. But when I decided to come back, I wanted to come back with that. Because there's any in my toilet I'm releasing next year on Kickstarter. It's, it's gonna, um, I'm going to finish that as well. But I wanted to come back with Forbidden. And I wanted it done. That's the one thing I feel proud about is like I can hang my head up. It's done. It's 100%. And now I just want readers. So like right now, it's like I don't care if everybody just back at $5 and got issue zero to start there. And, you know, it was 100 people at a $5. That means a hundred people yeah, are reading absolutely. Um, because I'm not paying anybody. I, it's already done. So that's the exciting part about it. And it's ready to go. Um, so like at the end of the campaign, it goes straight to the printer. So that's the best part. And just trying to get the readership and try to expand. I'm at, I'm not at conventions. It's easier to connect with the people at the conventions um, because they'll see the big banner. We get to talk. I get to do my pitch. It's harder online. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Th- there's something to be said for in-person pitching. Like I, I, I know even myself when I'm going on shows promoting stuff, I get a lot more nervous and I get in my head. But I've, I always had something that I called like con mode. You know, where, where I, when I'm at a convention, like the smiles beaming and like all of a sudden I can say quippy, pithy things to people and I can be charming. And I'm like, Ugh, I, I, if I could do that when I was younger, you know, I, I, I would have had a lot more success in in a, in a lot of uh, <laughs> ways. But yeah, there, there's something to to say about making a an in-person connection with somebody for sure like i can't wait to get back into cons um that's something i i didn't i didn't realize was that that issues zero and one were before you you took a hiatus from comics so i'm i'm really i'm really excited and curious to see um you know what what this what the new artist is doing even you know because i i i mean it's a shame you you couldn't continue with your with your original artist but um, but it sounds like you're stoked on this new one too. Oh, he did a fantastic job. Um, uh, the only difference between him and, and Anibal is that his body's a little thicker and meatier. Um, um, and his woman are bodacious. <laughs> <laughs> but the, ep- the battle scenes, and there's a lot of epic scenes and the, the w- wide panoramic scenes that he does and, and um, capturing the essence, the dynamic, the, the action poses, the drama. Um, he really did a great job. His, I mean, he penciled and inked it, and the inking is just top notch. It was so easy for the colorist. Her name is Barbara Siroji. She's in Brazil to color because um, his inking was so on point. So um, there's eight sample pages on the campaign to you see his style. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, the pages now too, and I mean, he's definitely got a little bit of a different style, but I think it fits well. Like yeah. it won't be a jarring. Like when you're flipping through the graphic novel. It's not a jarring change yeah. from one artist to the next at all. It's like if you have like Moon Knight, for instance, right? Your traditional Marvel artist that draws Moon Knight, then you do bring in Stephen Platt, who draws Moonlight, Stephen Platt. And I have all those issues of Moon Knight by Stephen Platt. And they're in mint condition, bought, bagged and board and signed. Um, just saying. So when that movie comes out, I'm going to make it. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, they're, they're heating up. And um, But Stephen Platt, when he did Profit, Fighting American, Soul Saga, Moon Knight, he's just, his stuff is bigger, bolder, and it just took it to another level. When you look at the world's, there's some kingdoms that you'll see. There's characters and where they come from and the scenes. It's just beautifully done. So I didn't miss anything. Yes, I would have preferred anybody to finish the entire series, but I was happy with with Prime Sancho what he did. Yeah, and do you have uh, do you have George lettering still? 
Yes, George lettered um, just about almost all my books except for Cosmic Wars. He lettered uh, Forbidden. He lettered There's Nailing in My Toilet. And he's lettered uh, Catch the Crazies. Yeah, he's the baddest letterer in the business. I'm just saying. <laughs> and he was there from from the start with you when you when you were wanting to start making comics like in earnest. You know, when you guys met in art school, has what what's his um does does he have any roles in in or any current role in your company? Like, does he draw any any books of yours, or does he co write anything with you? Or right, so we co write together. Uh, Cast the crazies. So Cast the oh, crazies. Cool. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah. Yes, and it's based on the podcast and our experience in comics. So it's ba- it's really loosely based on us with a supernatural twist. And um, we launched it in 2019. Uh, we launched three issues on Kickstarter. You know, one, two, and three. And then number four is launching next year. And uh, yeah, so. I basically just, I was sitting alone at night and, um, you know, having a glass of uh, Jack Daniels, honey, Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> and the idea of the crazies came up and I just started writing everything down. And I remember this guy I used to work with, his name is um, Masiek Empro from Poland. And he did a kid's book that I wrote for me and I, and I couldn't get the style down that I wanted for the character. So I hit, hit him up and I was like, hey. I said, uh, can you, here's, here's what I came up with. This is what they should look like. Can you put it in your style? So he did it and he sent it to me. And then I was like, I hit up George and said, hey, George, we got a comic book. It's going to be about us called Cast the Crazies. And I sent him and I showed him the images and, and he we were just laughing. And then I was like, all right, here's the plot. Go write the script. And he went and wrote the script. And then he would send it to me and I will adjust the dialogue because I know the, the characters speak to me in my head. So I know how each character speaks. Um, so I would just adjust the dialogue and then we would do table reads and, um, and the table reads were just both of us, like two children laughing the whole time. <laughs> and, um, at that time I couldn't take on the task of drawing it. I would just do the covers. So I did all the covers for catch the crazies. So we hired an artist. His name is, um, JC Grande. He did the first three issues. I'm actually working on the fourth right now. So, I, uh, from this point on, I freed up my time where I can actually do it. So issue number four of catch the crazy would be completely illustrated by me. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, you got a lot of irons in the fire right now. Like, holy crap, that, that was the thing I was thinking the whole time. Like, how do you have the time to do all this? Like, we, we go bonkers just having a, an audio podcast and and uh, and working on a comic on the side as well and just, you know, doing the one. Um, do, you and, do you and George ever run into any um, friction at all? Like, you know, you say that, that, like, you adjust the dialogue. Is there ever a time where, where he's like, oh, no, like, this person would say this. Like, do you guys have have any any clashes? I th- I've noticed a lot of people ask Ben and I, you know, ab- about that as well. You know, but or or do you guys have like a purely symbiotic uh, partnership with with creativity where you're just like, yeah, like you're firing on all cylinders when you're working together? No, so not when it comes to the characters because um, when I created the characters, the characters, well, when they came to me, I heard their voices. I learned their mannerisms. So when we're doing the table reads, I become the character. That's what makes it so hilarious because I start talking in their voice and I start acting like them. So no, um, and I know in the beginning, um, the first script when he wrote it, some of the pacing, you know, we would debate on. It was always healthy debates, but um, he's on issue five now writing. He's already gotten into a rhythm with the pacing of everything. So now it's just me just changing the dialogue, the wording. On some of it, and he's picking up on it because now he started. He's picking up on the characters and and the, the slang and the lingo, um, so it makes it easier and easier. Where in the beginning there was a lot of red on my part with the dialogue, 
Um, now it's like less and less. So he's gotten even yeah, he's, better. He's getting to know um, the characters understanding too. The, yeah. So he's, you know, it's becoming now part of him, you know, and it makes it easy for me to just be able to do what I do, taking that burden off my shoulders because he's flying to California next week, but he has a layover here for nine hours. So I'm picking him up at the airport and we're going to do a table read um, for the next issue here in person nice. yeah yeah so, so, so he's still in new york then huh yeah yeah i i grew up there my whole life i just moved out here too yeah you ago. don't sound like you're from texas <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say that i i i definitely detect some new york in the accent <laughs> uh, no i i i uh i gave everything up and i was like yeah, we're, we're leaving this crazy place and we're going to we're going to we're going to the crazy place to a hot place yeah. um and uh yeah texas heat is no that is joke. a dramatic change Yes. And oh, two months ago, you only yeah. caught the tail end of summer. Yeah. I caught the tail end of summer, but you know, I packed and loaded the pods myself. And when we got here and then I drove 32 hours because we didn't, we didn't stop at a hotel. It was just me and my buddy and four of my dogs and all my dogs got car sick and they threw oh, up in the car no. and one of my dogs sheds <laughs> a lot. So, and then we didn't shower for 32 hours and we're just, we smell and the car smells and, you know, I took the truck route to avoid tolls so we were just uh, the whole time and we had to stop like uh six times to walk the dogs and feed the dogs and then we got here at one in the morning got up at six in the morning because the pods were delivered and we unloaded it and at that time it was about 106 degrees and when you go into these metal pods these metal containers to get unload your furniture it's even worse we must have hydrated every 20 minutes (laughs) just downing more it was horrible Yes, I was like, "Oh, what the hell did I just do?" <laughs> and then there's geckos everywhere, and now and, and now every day I get warnings on bobcats or um, uh, what is it, uh, bobcats, uh, mountain lions, and mm-hmm. um, coyotes. And then the other day I have I have two chihuahuas, so they went to the yard, and I look up, I see the shadow, I look up, big hawk <laughs> swooping over. And I was like, "Oh!" I brought him back in. I was like, "He was looking for his meal. Oh, no. Get inside." <laughs> It's like, and then the spiders. Oh man, uh, the New York New York spiders have nothing on Texas spiders. These spiders are big, meaty, and strong and fast. It's oh, that, that'll that'll keep me out of the state. Jeez, it's crazy. We talk to people in like Michigan and Maine. You know, like they they don't know anything about about the heat that we have in California. But if there's if there's two states that I can think of that can you know show us up a bit, it's Arizona where my sister lived, and then out in Texas. Like that's bonkers heat we'll get triple digits but it's we don't get I the mean, humidity are, are you in west texas or east texas i'm in dallas, dallas? oh yes yeah, so you got the humidity too then yeah yeah, yeah it's uh yeah. i was in houston for three years and it uh i don't miss that at all <laughs> i don't miss the texas weather yeah, that's for yeah. sure um so i guess uh right now you've got uh forbidden uh number two which is technically the third one because you had an issue zero yes that is right. live on kickstarter and indiegogo i wanted to yeah. ask about that so what, what made you go with both there because like a, a lot of the time lots of people are like so why'd you pick indiegogo or kickstarter and you're like yeah just do both yeah and for some reason i, th- I thought that uh, sorry uh I, I thought that the platforms wouldn't allow you to do that no as long as you have um each one has a exclusive cover so and okay. the landing page can't look the same so like the, the the graphic on the landing page has to be different and you have to have an exclusive cover. And so there's a cover on Kickstarter you can only get on Kickstarter and there's a cover on Indiegogo that you can only get there. Now, if you wanted the Indiegogo on Kickstarter, you have to go to the add-ons at checkout to, to add it on. 
But the reason why is when I, la- I launched issue zero on Indiegogo successfully. And then I got a lot of complaints about why didn't you bring it to Kickstarter about you would have had more backers, blah, blah, blah. So I said, all right, I launched issue one on Kickstarter successfully. And so I added 20 more backers. So, you know, um, and I was like, oh, this is, you know, but then I got complaints from the, you know, I was like, yeah, we want to get the second issue, <laughs> but we're not going to go over to Kickstarter. So I did a catch up campaign right after the campaign ended on Kickstarter. It was just a few people, a handful of people that wanted it. So I was like, what? I'm gonna, I don't care if I get funded. They just want it. So I just did it. So then this time I said, I'm not doing that because I was, that was 50 days of my life. And I was like, no, yeah. that's torture because you still, even though you know you only have a handful of people, you still want to promote it. So this time I said, you know what? I'm just going to do simultaneously, run it, and what you know, whatever happens, happens. And I knew, so the goals on Indiegogo are different. The stretch goals are different from Kickstarter. So my backer goal on Indiegogo starts at 25, where on Kickstarter starts at 50, um, because it's such a disparity between the two is uh, how many people. And again, being gone for 10 years, I've been fighting my way up to um, build, yeah, rebuild that network that I had because- all those people are gone. And shit moves fast now too. It's like if we took a month off the podcast, I'd be concerned that we, you know, that we'd have to build our way back up a bit, you know, yeah. a decade. Oh boy. Yeah. It was, it was, it was tough. I mean, cause everything changed when I came, when I decided yeah. to come back, I, I spent six months just researching podcasts, what's changed the software, you know, all that stuff. And um, then I started chatting with um, some of the, the bigger podcasters out there and just, asking them advice and, you know, streaming platforms and all that other stuff. And then, so I, I got rid of my old, you know, dusty mixer and I got the Rodecaster Pro. And then I changed things up because back then we had camcorders. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. now we have, you know, webcams. And uh, so uh, big difference. And um, then I decided, you know, we decided when we came back with the podcast, my YouTube channel had like uh, 41 subscribers to the channel. Um, so now we're, we're, you know, in two years, we're trending to get to 500. It's a long fight, but, um, you know, we're working our way back. Rad. So, uh, I mean, I guess give us the pitch. Let's pitch forbidden and sell folks on this thing. The, the pitch, basically it's, um, shorthand. It's basically uh, a primitive medieval world meets, um, modern day science and technology in the world's clash. The premise is centuries ago, there was a group of people that roamed the surface of the earth. They were comprised of hunters, farmers, and warriors. And the hunters went off looking for food. They ended up into a dark wooded area they knew they shouldn't have entered. And they were immediately attacked by creepers. These are these demons that uh, are led by this overlord named Nakron. And so one of them made it out, made it back to the village. The other ones lost their lives. And by nightfall, a figure shows up and says, give us back the person who's desecrated our land and no harm will come to you. Choose not to and you will feel the wrath of Nakron. They chose not to. Morning came, they start waking up to screams, they come out of, you know, their huts and they're burning from the sun. So they start racing, trying to get into the caves and they went on the ground, never to be seen again. World has evolved. We fast forward to today. And Nakron has evolved in the form of a, a billionaire mogul named David Hunter. And his goal is to, to totally dominate the globe. But prophecy states that Nakron will be destroyed if the sun of rocks ever rises from the caverns. So issue zero starts off with the son challenging his father. Father, how do you know this crystal exists? And the father locks his son up until he gets uh, rid of those foolish thoughts because he says, you're not going to risk our people. We've been down here for decades um, because you have these foolish ideas. 
the son escapes with the aid of his lover, Arius, and um, they do they commit the ultimate sin. They kill to, to escape uh, against the, their family. So issue zero ends with him escaping the caverns, and now his sister Desira is caught between father and brother because she knows what, what brother's actions are going to cause. So she's at a crossroads. Bring back her brother, try to save him before Nakram finds out that the son of Rox is risen or stay and prepare for what's to come when they do find out that he's risen and let him lose his life. So she's caught between a rock and a hard place. And then issues one, you found out what happened when he got to the surface and he was befriended by uh, an elder named Viejo and he wakes up and he's without Arius. So he doesn't know what happened to her. They escape together. He wakes up, he's in the desert and he's like, where is she? And um, so then he tries to leave this crazy old guy and he rides off alone into the city and Nakron is alerted. And so assassins are after him. And um, so uh, in issue one, he's um, attacked, but he's saved by Vyoho, brought back to his hut in the desert. And then uh, now we're at issue Nice. And issue two, you're going to find out who Vyoho really is to the story. Who is this strange old man? Who is Donovan Limbo and David Hunter? Who is Monetus? We introduced a new character named Monetus in this issue. And who is Desiree in search of? And why is she risking everything to find this person? So there's a lot of things that happen in this issue. And it's 32 pages. Oh, nice. A little beefy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is the this is the big. Each issue got bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> when I was writing, I just got happy fingers. I was just typing away. The next issue, I think it's uh, this was thirty two. The next one's thirty seven. <laughs> nice, yeah. De- deliver deliver a nice big fat product. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No one's disappointed to get a longer comic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No ads. It's all it's all story. And I see um, on the Kickstarter campaign, you do have uh, you do have the opportunity for people to pick up either digital or print versions of both zero and one as well. Um, so they so they can actually catch up. Yes, that was a request because initially it was just part of the, the, the three digital bundle. And then it was a request made. Hey, can you add it as single? Because you can do it at the, the physical at checkout. So I was like, you know what? Let me just do it. So I added those. Those are new. Those four tiers. Um, on top of, um, George came up with a good idea, um, to do a raffle. So every backer who got, who, who had $15 or, or greater, their names will go on to the spinner. George has his spinning wheel. And, um, and every Tuesday or Wednesday nights, when we got five backers, we get, we put the names on and, um, they get to win a, um, a digital copy of my short story prose that I wrote, um, called ARG. And, um, before it's published. So they get firsthand to read it before then. It's about 70 pages. And uh, we've already had two winners. We had Pops Van Zant was one of them. And, uh, and Spooky T2I, who's an artist who did a book called um, Tech the Gods. That's, that's cool. I, I, I like that, uh, that you're able to use your show as a, as a cross promotion tool to, to drum up stuff. Like I'm actually a little bit jealous about that, that we don't, that we don't actually do a live show that we could use dynamically like that. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Yeah, the live show became a thing because we was just a weekly show every Fridays. But then what happened was COVID hit and then everybody had a campaign. And then all of a sudden my emails and my social media was on fire. And that's how I screwed up a lot of, you know, there's like so many double bookings and overlaps because there's so many. And I was like, where is everybody coming from? I was like, yeah, we, I said, 2022, we have to slow down. So it was like, you know what? That we'll do the pre-show 
and we'll do the spinner at the pre-show. We'll talk about the campaigns in the pre-show before we do we you know, we talk to the guests. And so every Tuesdays and Wednesdays we, we're going live. We used to go live just once a month, um, and now we're going live every week. Yeah. Nice. I, I like that he's got an actual physical spinner too. That that yes. uh, <laughs> that's classic. Yes, yeah. yeah, he loves that spinner. Um, so why don't you uh, tell us about about some of the other rewards that you've got on your uh, on your Kickstarter campaign here? What what are the ones that that you know? Let's go a little bit higher on on the rungs. You know, for the collector's special with all the covers, it, you've got a a giant list of variant covers. And I know people love their variants. I, well, so I've found out since you know our first campaign when we didn't do any. Yeah, that one is basically all the covers from all three campaigns. There is two gold cover foils, um, which is the king holding his face. Um, that's I illustrated that one. Then the other gold cover is the one where you have Sin holding the sword and David Hunter looking in the mirror and Bill in the background. I did that as well. And then um, there's a hollow foil cover with the king with his concubine sitting in front of him on the floor. Uh, that was by David Quiles, a really fantastic artist. And then there's two homage covers. So there's the one to Doctor Strange. I forgot the, the number, but it's the green um, and yellow one. Um, that comes signed and numbered with a certificate of authenticity. And then there's the homage cover to Kingdom Come, which is on this campaign that I did. Both of those I illustrated. And that also comes numbered and signed with a um, certificate of authenticity. So you get you get hollow foil, gold, and uh, homage covers in this whole packet. And the artists in there... Even get the variant covered by artist John Coates, um, covered by Ani Balaroyo, Prime Sancho, myself, and David Keeler. Yeah, that Kingdom Come cover is pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, I was a big Alex Ross Kingdom Come fan. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my spin on that bad boy. So yeah, you have that one. Uh, you also have the, um, the graphic novel bundle. So if I get 10 people to back that camp, that tier, a minimum of 10, each person will get a commission sketch, sketch card added to it, a character of their choice. doesn't matter what character in the universe they want drawn, um, they will get a commission sketch card. So I added that as a bonus. So on top of getting the trading cards, the stickers, the bookmark, and the graphic novel, they'll also get the sketch card. And the, the limited edition homage cover comes with the two trading cards, the Sin sticker, um and um uh, the the book and the um digital digital ver- all everything comes with the digital i have the retailer special as well yeah the uh, the homage cover is 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 doing well well on here and on indiegogo for me it really just pushing the graphic novel is what i'm pushing the most and um the the uh homage cover but you also have like i did a retail bundle so, like, uh, if a retailer decides they want the five graphic novels, they'll get the homage cover and they'll get a sketch cover, and I'll do an illustration for them that they can sell. It's numbered as well. There's only hundred copies of that, and then I'm also offering commissions. So I do digital commissions and physical commissions as well, and then also we're doing the original art. So on this, um, and they come framed. So just uh, so you're going to be busy after the campaign ends too. Yeah, so all of the original art, they come framed just like this. Damn, how do you do shipping with that? Because, I mean, even just, just shipping original pages for, for the few that I did where it was, it was nuts, you know, securing and everything, but in a frame, wow. Yeah, so I use um, in the box, besides the bubble wrap, um, the frames, I put cardboard on both sides of the frames, then I bubble wrap it, 
and then I, I put it in a box and then I put an extra layer of cardboard. So it's multi-protected. It's nice and secure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but I, I, it must cost a fortune too to ship. Yes. Yes. And all of the pledges, all the levels that the shipping is incorporated. So you're not going to another screen. Um, so what price you see there, that, unless you're in Canada. Canada doesn't know. Oh, yeah, cost. man. Yeah. Yeah. It is not cheap Even to ship there. Even just sending a book to Canada is like 25 bucks. Yes. I lost out on one of the pledges. It, I was like, because I paid more for the shipping than it cost for the for the reward. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, nope. And uh, so Canada is the only other place that I'm shipping to outside the U.S. And that's the only one that does an extra fee. Um, but all the other tiers the the shipping's already included. yeah well, when, when we did our first one I, I put international shipping at 10 bucks i'm like yeah that should cover it right and uh oh boy no it didn't thankfully we only had two no. backers that were out of the states <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes i had one in the uk i had one in um two in canada and it was just like oh no more yeah it, it'll it'll kill you like all, all of a sudden you're like like you know, you you can't you can't play around that sort of thing when you're when you're funding these and creating this stuff on your own. Like that stuff, just all of us, like it does make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah on our current campaign, I I bumped international shipping up to twenty five bucks, and it's like that's tough. Like I I don't imagine you're going to get a whole but we're going to get a bunch of people backing from outside the country. I mean, we we got one so far, and I was surprised that we got that. I was like, man, willing to pay twenty five yeah. bucks for shipping, and it makes that's, it interesting nuts. That, that, that people have not embraced digital as much because. If I'm international and I'm interested in the product and I don't want to pay the shipping fee, I can get the digital, but most people don't want digital because you yeah, think I mean, internationally they'll be flying. We've done six campaigns already and the international population only wanted physical. Interesting. When when I'm backing something, like I I want the actual oh, yeah. book in my hands. Like I, I was I was saying that on a you know, when I was talking to someone else last night. And I think I kind of came off like an asshole because they're like, hey, you know, if you just want to get the digital, it's five bucks. And I was like, man, but I love I love physical copies in my hands. And I was like, oh, I, I, it sounded like I was talking shit to the people that, that you know, don't mind digital. But I, I just I love having having that comic book in my hand. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all do. I mean, it's like my long box is out of control and uh, <laughs> um, there's nothing like it where you could just sit down, turn the page. You can always go back to that book and read it again. Mm-hmm. Um it's very different. The only time I do digital, if I'm going to feature it on what's in the box, it's easier if I just have it on the screen yeah, and I scroll yeah. than setting up my camera, you know, and putting my easel and all that stuff. I prefer it too, but I'm just surprised that, you know, how it still hasn't translated um, digital. You know, I remember that you know, digital was supposed to be the end of bookstores. All of a sudden, the bookstores are little by little coming back, right? And um, Barnes and Nobles fought a good fight and they're still there. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. I I can't speak to actual numbers, but I I feel like even just attitude wise, I feel like there's been kind of a plateau. You know, like for a while, it was just like, oh shit, comics are disappearing. You know, physically, like newspapers are going to be. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak to newspapers' longevity, but I feel like there are enough people out there who want physical comic books that that it still makes sense. I don't I don't see them disappearing. Like soon I think I think they might get pricier because they're going to be a little bit more boutique. You know, that's why you get uh, five six dollar comics at some point, which is uh, like oh, like I don't I don't Gross. like that. But I you know I get it. Like I mean, they're they're not. Even the Marvel and DC aren't printing hundreds of thousands of copies of books. They just, yeah. there, there isn't that many people. That's because they need to do it. There's got to be a better way to introduce comics to the new generations. Um, um, and I think it's, 
it's the the parents it's the you know um they have to take them to the location you have to go there's nothing like going to a comic yeah, store that's true there's nothing you know and then let them just peruse and um find what it is that appeals to them you know you can't force you get you need to read this you know because it, you know it's like i'm not interested in that you gotta let them go get the experience look around and figure out what is it the pie gravity to manga because that's what they all do right but uh, it's still comics. <laughs> like for some reason it's still comics but you know get them in there and let them have their own experience and that's how you're going to win them over um take them to a comic con and show them how fun it is to be you know how fun comics is if when they have the experience the experience translates into a potential reader who becomes a fan yeah absolutely that's that's very that's very wise that's a very keen observation i i think i'm lucky that my that my kid liked batman rather than you know barbies so it 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 made it easy to to get her into into comics you know so like i you know she's 8 years old now and i've got a I've got a little, I've got some books on my saver at the local shop. So she'll go in with me, you know, I've got some books that I'll read to her at night and I'll do voices and stuff. Like she loves comics and, and I, I, I love it. Yeah. My girlfriend will take her to, to conventions when I was doing them and they dress up, you know, just, it was, uh, it's good. I'm, I, I hope she doesn't grow out of that. We need it. Yeah, I, I think the, the tougher part now is like, like I'll take my kids to the comic shop, man. They want, they want to pick a bunch of stuff up. It's like, well, when we were kids, it was like, you know, five comics, five bucks. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want these five comics. Like, Man, it's like almost 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely sticker shocked when I came back into the game. Because I, when I left, I even stopped collecting. That's, I went cold turkey. Oh, man. Right? And so at that time, when I was in it, I was a big Spawn fan as well. I had all the series, set the Spawns uh, up to nine, series nine action figures. I mean, I was like a big Spawn, I mean... That was your guy. Todd would see me outside his window in his house. I was like, when's the next one? <laughs> so, so, and I went cold turkey, but I decided to come back. I said, you know, I went, I said, I'm going to do the podcast. Let me go to a comic store and let's, you know, let's see what's out there. And when I went, I, I, I went five bucks and it was like 28 something. I was like, oh, yeah. what the hell? I was like, what the hell? These are five bucks. Uh, it, it, it's crazy how much it's changed. Yeah. And as, as much as I love the physical comic book, like there's, there's some that I've had to go digital with. Like if, if it's something that I'm either taking a chance on or something that like, you know, I'll buy, I'll buy books that have certain artists just because I want all of their work. Like I just love their work. I don't, I don't care what the story is. I'll buy their book. But if there's a story that, that I know I don't want to keep forever, like sometimes I'll just, I'll just read that digitally. Cause it's, you know, it's, if, if it's cheaper then why not? But, but if it's something that I you know want to have, in my boxes or in a stack in in the bathroom for a while to keep keep reading over and over again, you know. Then then you got to have the physical copy. Yeah, I was like that with Jeff Smith's Bone. Yeah, I got I, I collected all of his stuff. Um, what was his name? Mike Crunkle, Hero Kid and the Bear. I was like, oh a, yeah, Hero Bear. Yeah, yep. Oh, that I love that book. Yeah, Telos. Remember Telos? Oh yeah, yeah. Todd Dezago and and Mike Wieringo. Yes, I mean Dale Keown, Whatever he touched, I had it. You know, mm-hmm. it's Stephen Platt, whatever he touched. It was, I was like, it's mine. Even what's his name? Craig Capullo went, oh, whatever he touched, I had to have it because I love what he did on Spawn and uh, Sam and Twitch, which I still feel Todd needs to have a separate movie, which is Sam and Twitch. I don't understand what's happening, but um, I feel like for a while they, they were talking about doing that. Like before the, the heat picked up on the, on the Spawn movie again, a few years back, yeah, I, Kevin I, Smith I, was supposed to produce it with the BBC. 
Oh, and then it, that does and sound then familiar. It, then something happened, and then and it didn't happen. I, I was excited because I was like, I was campaigning for this. I was like, when Sam and Twitch coming out? <laughs> I was like, you have, if you did Sam and Twitch, like you know, seven meets the boogeyman or whatever. It's it. Oh man, it, th- those characters are just underrated. Whoa, this is weird. I just had the fattest bit of deja vu, like this conversation, <laughs> and even just like looking at you, Sam, like like your screen there, like did. We didn't. We haven't spoken before, have we? Did we? Did we talk to you on on our first campaign? No. Mm-hmm. This no. is so weird. No. Like all all of this is like <laughs> like there. That this is the most like multi layered deja vu I've ever had in my life. That that was so strange. Like even even just the angle that I'm looking at you at. Like whoa. Okay. <laughs> whoa. That, that was that was so bizarre. That's uh, we have our own. What is it? Multiverse. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had a deja vu in years. I used to have that a lot. I don't haven't had that in years. Wow. Maybe it's a sign they started working on that salmon Twitch movie. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever you put your mind to will happen. Well, I was thinking of. I remember, remember. I was a big Alf fan. If you can see, I have the Alf poster on the wall right uh-huh. now. Um, I have all of the Alf um, episodes. I have all the Alf comics. I have the, I'm a big Alf fan, right? I saw you have a sketch card in, uh, in the graphics for one of your awards. That was nice. a request actually from, my, uh, from somebody. <laughs> uh, I remember it was years after they canceled the show and I was sitting down. I was like, man, I can't wait. I forgot which Super Bowl this was, but they had an Alf special come on TV. And that's all I was thinking about was, I was like, do you see the universe answered me? <laughs> I was like, and they had a special that came out. It was just a one shot Alf special. I was excited. I, they need to bring that character back. Yeah, I loved me some Alf when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Hey, Willie. Yeah, it was just the best. I kill me. <laughs> yeah, no, right? <laughs> You're a kitty. It was, it was just fantastic. Uh, even the song for the cartoon was just awesome. I forgot about the cartoon. Oh, Ben, I think we need to do an episode on Alf. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's the um, best. Well, I guess let's. I mean, wrap things up. I guess, but uh, tell people where they where they can find it. I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, we're going to post about it on Twitter. Um, I know, uh, Sam, you're not bashful about posting things on social media, so it's all over there. But <laughs> let people know where they can find you and uh, and 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 how they can back Forbidden. Yeah. So if you turn around right now, you'll see me right there. So basically, um, catch the craze. It's uh, catch the craze with a DA. If you type in catch the craze anywhere, whether it's on Twitch, Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, don't try to be fancy about it. It's not catch the craze. It's catch the craze. Catch the craze. It's got that that urban twist to it, right? So uh, catch the craze anywhere. Um, and on Instagram, I got multiple handles. But if you want to catch me, I'm on catch the craze or art of Samuel V. Um, on Instagram or Forbidden Comic Book on um, Instagram as well. If you want to learn more about Forbidden, yeah, check it out and check out Cast the Craze podcast where every week um, and uh, we've been talking to Indy since the beginning of time. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah we, we talked to you uh, about our project just before recording this. So that's good cross promo. Um, and so, yeah, of course, Forbidden number two, The Hunt on uh, on Kickstarter and Indiegogo currently. The Kickstarter goes through December 1st at uh, 5.12 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, at least. Yeah, which is 8.12 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time. All right. Are you guys going to do like a uh, like a end of the campaign live show? Yes, this, it will be live that day as well. Nice. <laughs> 
we got to figure out a, a, a way to a way to do that. We got to get in on that. We 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 did a launch party for, for on on like the Twitter audio streaming thing. It was a and, mess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we had a, we had a couple people show up and uh, that that just like dropped as I was trying to figure out how to even get on there. It was do Facebook was live. Yeah, we should have. Yeah, Instagram too. I think the problem's us as much as it is the platform. We got to figure out what the hell <laughs> yeah, we're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah that thank you guys for having me on um and again check out forbidden on kickstarter if you're apprehensive about the series pick up number zero you can get the physical copy or digital copy whichever and if you're not a kickstarter fan i'm on so it's also an indiegogo so pick your poison and give it a shot well and it's and it's such a good deal you know that just if you're gonna take a chance anyway take a chance on all, on all three like it's it's a great deal on, on three comic books, you know. Are your books available on like Comicsology or Drive Through Comics or anywhere else? If people wanted to like take take a look at anything else you've done, uh, you can buy directly from my website, crazycomics.com. That's with two e's, not a y. Um, I do everything differently, so it's crazycomics.com <laughs> and uh, or icreatestories.com. Either one is going to take you to the directly to the same page. And so um, everything that I produce, um, it's available on the site as well. Wicked. This issue is not. This issue will be available after the campaign. Cool. Ends. Thanks a lot, Sam. Right, Appreciate great. you coming on. Yeah, thank Best you, Sam. Best of luck in wrapping thank the Kickstarter guys. and the Indiegogo up. I mean, w- without talking numbers, I don't think they're going to no, have much I, yeah, trouble. I think, <laughs> I think they're going to make it just fine. Thank you, guys.